0: Throughout this summer we 've been looking at some of the characteristics of God. Uh, Getting to Know God in a sermon series entitled God Is, and each week we've looked at some other aspect of the character and uh, nature of God. We've talked about uh, His uh, sovereignty, we talked about His love, we talked about His goodness, all those things that, that we know about God, but we just came back and looked at them maybe in a little more in-depth way to understand Him a little bit more. We're going to conclude that series today. Next Sunday we'll celebrate Lord's Supper, and uh, then the following week we'll begin looking at another challenging aspect. About discipleship, uh, based on a, on a very challenging book, the most challenging one I've read in a long time, entitled uh, "Not a Fan." I know a couple of classes have done that in their study uh, on Sunday morning, but uh, we're going to look at that: what it means to be a follower of Christ and not just a fan. But today we come to, to the last us uh, in the series here about God is, and it is God is holy. And uh, that is the attribute about God that's central, I think, uh, to God and to who He is. And the amazing thing is that this Holy God allows us, you, me, ordinary people, to have a relationship with Him as the Holy God. And not only that, but He challenges us, commands us literally, that we are to be holy just like He is holy And because He calls us as His children, as His people to do that, to be holy. So, when we understand that God is holy I think we will understand uh, this aspect of God's nature and character and our relationship with God should always then be a growing one and we should never be indifferent about our relationship with God. I think we will understand that God stands alone in His holiness. I think we will understand that God's holiness defines His character and His actions I think we'll understand that our Holy God allows us to experience a relationship with Him. And that's just, a, to me that's just a, almost a mind-boggling experience, that this Holy God allows us sinful, unholy people to have a relationship with Him. And I think we'll also understand then that our Holy God calls us to be holy. Many years ago Jonathan Edwards a preacher in another century said a true love of God must begin with a delight in His holiness and not with the delight in any other attribute for no other attribute is truly lovely without this. And so we come today to consider about God's holiness and understand and affirm that God is holy. Many different passages of scriptures we could have chosen, and we'll reference several others. But there's a beautiful scene in Revelation 15 that uh, I think is worthy of looking at. And it's the first four verses that reminds us and defines for us that God is holy, and that is affirmed in the heavens as we read uh, this passage of Scripture. John says, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. They held harps given them by God, and sang the song of Moses the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Uh, And a wonderful song and, 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 and chorus of praise unto God. There is that great affirmation that says not only that God is holy, but God alone is holy. And so let's look at some of the aspects about this concept about understanding that God is holy. First of all, we say that God alone is holy. Now, what does holiness mean? I think we have to define that and understand that. It literally means uh, being set apart. And, And holiness is a condition of being set apart from and being removed from anything and everything. That is sinful. We can't be holy unless we're detached from all that that is sinful and that will defile us. And God is detached from all of that, so He and He alone is holy. And I think that's the attribute uh, uh, or characteristic of Him that sets Him apart from anything and anyone else. Exodus 15, 11 says this, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? And that god is lowercase because there are many gods that we claim and that we have. He says, Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? See, have you ever thought about that, that God is majestic in His holiness? I think maybe sometimes we think that He is so holy that we can't approach Him. And if somebody has kind of a a pious attitude, what do we say about them? That they are holier than thou. But yet listen to this, that God is majestic in His holiness. Being the perfect God I don't think that should surprise us because He can handle everything, He does handle everything, and He does it with the greatest sense of ease that there is. He is majestic in His holiness. You remember the prophet Isaiah gave that great threefold praise about God Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then we read another version of the same declaration in Revelation 4 8, as the four living creatures kept saying night and day Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. See, I think that all writers in the scriptures are are conveying that one message to us about God, and that is that God alone is holy. And we need to affirm that. Revelation 15, 4 says, You alone are holy. And that means that God is set apart because God is perfect, He's totally free from sin, God sets the standard of holiness. And the Scriptures affirm this, great and marvelous are your deeds, just and true are your ways. All His ways then are perfect in holiness. And of course then He is worthy of our praise and our worship and that of all the nations, John writes here in Revelation 15. And this marvelous God again who is so majestic in His holiness invites and encourages and desires a personal intimate relationship with you And with me. That could almost be mind boggling, isn't it? See, God is holy, and we are not. We are human. We sin. We're sinners. And we're set apart from God by sin. So when we talk about God's holiness then, and he wants us to have a relationship with him, how do we experience this sense of holiness? Well, I think it's a twofold way that we do. First of all, there is that holiness of salvation. We become holy in the sight of God when we experience salvation, when we claim Jesus Christ as Savior and what he did for us on the cross. You see, the will of Jesus is is to be obedient to God's will for salvation through his sacrifice. And the writer of Hebrews says then that by that will in Hebrews 10:10 we will have we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And that tells us that we are made holy in that experience of transformation uh, and salvation experience as we claim what God did for us. He was obedient to the Father's will that He would come as the perfect sacrifice for us. His will for us then is that we come to accept that offer of salvation and forgiveness and in that process we become made holy so we're made holy in that salvation process and that's how we are allowed to have that relationship with this wonderful God of ours and now uh, and in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10, uh, Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation. That's who we are as the church, God's people. A people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, that's sin, into his marvelous light, that's his holiness. He says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we receive that holiness in the salvation experience. And then there's another aspect of that holiness as to how we experience that, and that's in that process of sanctification. And then, uh, that word sanctification, uh, but just basically means a process a process of growing in our spiritual life. Now I think most of us as Baptists and most of us would admit in our our walk with Christ that we don't dwell on those words holiness and sanctification all that much. We kind of think that's for the uh, Assemblies of God and the Pentecostals and all that. But you know what? That is for us for every one of us. doesn't matter whether you are Baptist, Methodist, or, or Pentecostal or what you might be. Denominational wise If you are a believer in Jesus Christ then you are supposed to be experiencing holiness and sanctification. Sanctification is just simply that process of spiritual growth. The way that we open ourselves up to, to prayer and the reading of Scriptures and by seeking spiritual growth that we, that we grow in that process of becoming more and more like Christ. And in that process then we become more and more holy in the sight of God. We sang that old hymn today, Take Time to Be Holy. And it is a reminder to us that it takes time to develop holiness. So, uh, salvation is instantaneous but sanctification takes a process. For most of us it is a lifelong process to seek to measure up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we have to continue to commit ourselves to that and to work on that. So, how do, well, what does it look like in our everyday life? Some years ago Chuck Colson wrote this, and I think he says it very well. He said, Holiness is the everyday business of every Christian. It evidences itself in the decisions we make and the things we do hour by hour, day by day. You see that's living in holiness. It's not going around like a Pharisee with a holier than thou attitude. But it is is the characteristic of God's holiness being manifested in every act that we do. And that's a tough thing for us to live up to. But that's what God calls us to do. And in 2 Corinthians 7-1 the Scripture says this, Since we have these promises dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. You see how he phrased that? Said perfecting, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. To perfect something takes a while to do that, doesn't it? It's a process of perfecting something. And that's what we are called to do. We are called to be set apart by God for God. God alone is holy. And we experience that holiness in salvation and in sanctification. Now, then the second thing that I think we can say about this holiness of God and how we build upon that is is that God does call us to be holy people. Yeah, we, we cannot get away from that in the Scriptures. God calls us to be holy people. In 1 Peter one through 13-16 He says, Therefore prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Because it is written, Be holy because I am holy." Now, if we just focused right there that would be a, that would be a challenge for us for the rest of our life, wouldn't it? That we are called to be holy. And that God's Word says, Be holy because I am Am holy. So we can't we can't escape that fact. God challenges us to be his holy people. And that certainly is a great challenge for us because we live in an unholy world. And we still are not holy people. That's that's not our desire, that's not our intent, really. You know, we just kind of wanna—we just kind of wanna make that first decision to be to be uh, saved and and to avoid hell. Is the reason most people make that decision, rather than in a heartfelt love for what God has done for us, understanding that God's goodness is meant to lead us to repentance, and that we grow in that holiness because God has loved us and He first loved us, and we want to respond to that love and we want to embrace that love and we want to be more and more like this God who loves us and who redeems us. See, But God challenges us to be a holy people in this culture in which we live. There is a frightening insignificance of God in our culture, and it does not value holiness at all. But we cannot escape the fact that God calls us to be holy. And it doesn't matter what culture you live in, we are still called to be holy. Now, I'll think about that for a moment. How do you feel about that? And how do you put these two concepts together? If the Scripture affirms for us that God and God alone is holy, and He is majestic in His holiness, and that we are sinful people, and that the only way we can have a relationship with this holy God is through faith in Jesus Christ, and in that process we become holy through simply salvation experience. Then how even as diligent as we would seek to grow in our spiritual maturity in all that we would do. Opening ourselves up through prayer and through Bible study and through corporate worship and private worship and all the, the Bible study that we would take part in. You know, how, how can we accept that challenge to be holy as God is holy? Does that bother you at all? Does that create any questions in your mind? Does that challenge you with where you are in your spiritual life? I admit to you that I have a little bit of a struggle about that. Because I still have a, I have a difficulty in understanding that if God and God alone is holy and He is majestic in His holiness, and even though I know the Bible says it, that He says be holy because I am holy, how, how do we look? How do we act? How do we become holy? How do we define that holiness even as we are challenged to live it in our everyday life and our everyday actions? I mean have you you really thought about that? Oftentimes, we know we've been asked all through our life when we ask younger children, we have a tendency to do that, well what do you want to be when you grow up? And they are going to say things like a fireman or a doctor or a nurse or you know all those kinds of things like that. Have you ever had anybody to say when you ask them what do you want to be when you grow up that they would say, I want to be holy? And if they did what would be your reaction? But yet that's what we ought to be striving for. What do you want to be when you've lived your Christian life in this world? You ought to say, I want to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. And He's called me to be holy just like He is holy. But yet there is that struggle in my life, and maybe in yours too, that we don't think that we can achieve that sense of of holiness that would satisfy God. Well, have you ever thought about this when you go in your Bible study class, or you go in one of the many classes that we offer in the spring and 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 the fall, uh, these spiritual growth classes? What do you want? To, what do you want to gain out of that? What do you want to gain out of any of these classes or any of these Bible studies? It ought to be that you want to gain holiness, because that's what God commands you to experience and to grow into as a certain sense of that holiness. So I struggle with. It. But yet there is that inescapable challenge from God that we are to be holy. Hebrews 12, 14 says it this way, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Now, listen to the last phrase, without holiness no one will see the Lord. Without holiness no one will see the Lord. So, why does God call us to be holy? Let's mention a few reasons. Number one is because God is holy. You remember the Apostle Peter wrote and said, But you are to be holy in your conduct, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase says, in, in the message says it this way Let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. See, that's the challenge for me. I read that and I say, I don't think my life is blazing with holiness, but yet that's what God calls us to be. He calls us to be holy and to let your life blaze with holiness. Oftentimes our lives blaze with a lot of other different things, don't they? Envy and greed and anger and lust and all those things that we're not supposed to be. Those are the things that blaze in our life. But God's Word challenges us to let holiness blaze in our life. And boy, what a challenge that is for us, especially in the culture in which we live. The second reason I think God calls us to be holy is because of the culture in which we live. Our culture needs it. 1 Peter 2:12 says: live such good lives among the pagans, that is, out in the world where you live. That though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. That is to say if you live a genuine holy life, not a holier than thou life, but a life that blazes with the holiness of God then there will be other people who are non-believers who will see you and that will make a difference in their life. And I think the implication is here is that they will become a follower of Christ as well. You see uh, people who are really holy are not oddballs but they are distinct people. You could almost say they are extinct people. But if we to be holy we are to be a distinct person. And that means that every action, every word, everything about our lifestyle should somehow reflect the holiness of God. And what does that mean? I think it means that we would be real and genuine and authentic and represent the likeness of Jesus Christ as the world watches us. Our culture definitely needs that today. And oftentimes they see more than just the holiness of God, but they see a self-righteous and self-centered response of people who claim to be Christians. now, let's deal with this final aspect of this holiness about challenging our lifestyle. And I would simply say that holiness requires a complete makeover in our spiritual life and all the abundance of the television shows, uh, extreme makeover, extreme home makeover, trading spaces, the biggest loser, you know all those things deal with makeovers. But they are not spiritual makeovers. They are makeovers on, the, on a physical building or on a physical body. But what we need is a a makeover in our spiritual life. If we want to experience holiness and we want to display holiness the way God calls us to, then it's a makeover in how we think and then in how we act. First of all, it is a commitment that we make. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness no one will see the Lord. We've already shared that passage of Scripture and there it is again reminding us to make that effort. It's a commitment that we make. And it challenges us in our lifestyle to make that commitment to be holy. And it raises some questions for us. Like, are you giving the same effort to live a holy life as you are to maybe making a living? Maybe climbing the corporate ladder? Uh, Maybe finding success in in whatever ways you seek to do it. Or maybe it's even in trying to be uh, a good spouse or a good parent. Or maybe it's simply trying to improve some aspect of your life like your golf game or whatever it might be. Or you put in the same effort into your, your quest for holiness and to be obedient to the command of God to be holy that you are in other areas of your life. See it has to begin with a commitment that we make. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort. And that's a call for us to make it a commitment that we act on if we really want to be holy. Then the second thing is involves the way we think. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about what you do with your mind and what you put into your mind. It talks about what you feed into your system, into your being. You know And, that, and that, that, shapes, that, that is shaped by what you read, by what you watch, whether it's television or a movie, uh, the music that you might listen to, or the places where you might go and the people with whom you might associate. You see, holiness starts in the mind where we think. And the way we think is that we need to capture every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You you might remember some of the the dark ages of the uh, advancement of the personal computer that was based on the fact of garbage in, garbage out. In other words, what you put in is what you're going to get out. That's the way it works in our life today. It's what you put into your life It's what you're going to get out. It's going to be the output of your life. If you put garbage in that's what's going to come out. If you put holiness in that's what's going to come out. And that's what God challenges us to do. It's a commitment that we make and it's a decision that we make in the way that we think. And thirdly of course then it's in the way that we live. So, we have to have a commitment to holiness by exercising self-control. Listen to what Paul says in Romans six, eleven through fourteen. In the same way count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. And when we put all that together I think it simply says that self-control allows us to live in Christ. Being dead to sin. And I think the problem with most of us is we've never really died to sin. We just had a few feigning spells. And the scripture makes it clear that we're to be dead to sin. That is, that it's not supposed to have any effect upon us. You know, we're more like the culture, the old Nike slogan that said, just do it. But God says, be holy because I'm holy. And that's a great challenge for us. He is the Holy God. Now, with the um, with emphasis on global warming, warming, you know, maybe there's a case for it after this summer that we've had here with the record temperatures that we've had. You know, there's a lot of a lot of debate about that whether it is a law or whether it just comes around in cycles. You know, and you got to go back years and match up the times and all that, and the seasons change and all like that. Then that brought out a, a lot of discussion about the carbon footprint that all of us will leave on this earth, and that's why the emphasis is all on going green, and, and it's a good thing. To to focus on on the environment because if we are good stewards, we are good stewards not only with our money and not only with our life but also with the good earth that God has given to us. He gave that commandment to to mankind at the beginning of time. And to to subdue the earth doesn't mean to violate it but it means to, to make it serve your useful purpose and at the same time to protect it. And so, you know, there's all that emphasis about the carbon footprint that we would leave. You know, and, and every act of rebellion, everything that we do, every kind of thing that we do, throwing trash and all this kind of stuff, we're violating, uh, we're violating what God wants us to do. And it's interesting. If you want to go to that site, www.carbonfootprint.com, you know you you see some things, the implications about our life. Well, let's turn it another way. Suppose that every act that we did in our life blazed with the holiness of God, the way He calls us to be holy, the way that He is holy. Think about the holy footsteps that we would leave in this world, and in on this culture, on our family, and on our friends. And so that's what God really wants us to understand in this concept the fact that God is holy and He alone is holy, but He calls us to seek after that holiness, to make a commitment to be holy, to be ablaze with holiness in our life. And the result of that is then that we have an influence upon those around us. It might be in the home, it might be at school, it might be at work, it might be where you recreate. It's wherever you go in life, your footprints will be that of holiness. And that will have an impact that will last for a long, long time. You see, that's the challenge that God gives to us out of His holiness that we are called to be holy in His sight. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the fact that You are indeed the holy God and in that You set the standard for righteousness and we worship you and we praise you and we affirm, as what the scriptures do, that you and you alone are holy. You are holy, holy, and holy. And nowhere else does it give that threefold praise of any of your attributes. And so, Father, we understand today that you are indeed the holy God and you call us into a relationship with you. And we can experience that holiness through the salvation offer of Jesus Christ, and we can then grow in that through the process of sanctification as we seek to mature into the image of Jesus Christ, exposing ourselves to the spiritual disciplines that you've given to us and called us to obey. And Father, our prayer together hopefully would be that we would indeed be a holy people, a holy nation, that we have been called out of darkness of sin into the light of your holiness. And that we would live reflecting that holiness as your people. And that that holiness would just simply blaze forth from us. And that we would be distinct in the culture around us. Father we pray for that faith and that conviction. And we ask that in Christ's name as He lives within us. Amen.